Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Los Alamos and this video worship service for March 7th, 2021. As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of all people and gather together in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Whoever you are, whomever you love, wherever you are at this very minute, wherever you are on your life's journey, you are welcome to be part of this community with us. I invite you to connect with us on Facebook in our virtual fellowship hall or at our page. Sign the virtual guest book if you would like to connect with us via email or have a call from the pastor, me, or email me with any questions you might have about what you've experienced virtually of our community. The links for all of those can be found in the service notes below. Once again, we are glad you are with us even at this distance. Thank you for welcoming us into your homes this morning. Welcome here into our church home, and we look forward to seeing your face in real time very soon.
It starts here, in this moment, in this breath, you can feel rising in your chest, this beat building between us, the healing, the hunger, the hope, the courage, the calling, the commitment, the drawing out of a new day. It begins now in the imagination, in this story we weave together, this song we sing, this prayer we bring into being from our hearts to our lips, from our hands to our lives, to our shared life. It starts here with praise and thanksgiving, forgiveness and this humble centering confession that we could be wrong. This promise that we make to keep learning, to keep trying, to keep our sense of humor, to keep close this knowing that we are all in this together. Come, let us begin. Come, let us worship together.
is the doctrine of this church, the quest for truth is its sacrament, and service is its prayer, to dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve life and fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony, thus do we covenant with each and with all. It is with much sadness that we learned this past week of the death of our dear member and friend, Mary Zemak. Mary died on February 26th after a month's stay in hospice, staying with her family in Durango, Colorado. A memorial service and celebration of Mary's life will be held soon on Zoom, and we will get the details to you soon about that. But in the meantime, as is our tradition here, I light our candle of life today in honor of the life of Mary Zemack. Please join with me in a spirit of prayer and reflection. Eternal and beloved, gracious source of all life and all love, we are grateful today for the time out of time which we have set apart so that we might become more fully present to our own selves, to our communities, to that which we call holy. May our joys be celebrated together, our wounds be healed together, our hearts be opened together. Let the warmth and the welcome of this circle of care and concern radiate out among us wherever we might be and out into the wider community. May we be reminded of our calling to welcome in the stranger, to bind up the brokenhearted, to feed the hungry, to embrace the lonely. May we be reminded of our calling to be the hands of the Spirit, transforming the world as it is into the world as it can yet be. Let this community be the source of our courage and our strength, lifting our spirits and expanding our hearts. May we carry the fire in our chalice with us throughout the coming days, so we may yet still be the hands and the hearts of this congregation. All this we pray in the names of those known and unknown, present and absent, remembered and forgotten, in the names of all the helpers of humankind. Amen.
This is my compass. Years ago, years and years ago, when I was a Boy Scout, I learned how to use a compass and a map together to find my way around, even if I wasn't entirely sure where I was going, if I was hiking a new path or going to a new place, even if I'd never seen the path or the place before, I learned how to find my way just using the magnetic directional powers of a compass and a good map. And even if I got a little off the path, even if I lost my way a little bit and I got lost on hikes a lot, I knew that I had the tools and the know-how to use them to get back on the path and go in the right direction to get to the place where I was going. Now here in our church community, we have compasses and maps of a sort too. Ways and tools of helping us to get where we're going together. Maybe you've seen this hanging in one of your classrooms here. It's been a while, but I'm sure you remember this uh, wording of our seven principles as Unitarian Universalists. Or maybe even this, maybe your own classroom covenant, promises that you make to each other as kids in the classroom for how are you going to treat one another and treat your teachers and be together in the room for the time you're in there. Those are tools for being on a path together, for trying to go somewhere together, even if where you're going is just understanding more about your church home or your own spiritual life. We know how we want to be together. We know how we want others to treat us. And so we make these covenants. We make these promises to one another that we will keep in order to get there together, get to a better place. And it's hard some days to keep those promises because we're human and we make mistakes. We get mad some days and we act out or we feel sad or we feel angry. And sometimes we don't keep those promises we make to one another because we're feeling something so deeply. And that's okay. See, that happens. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all have feelings that make us feel apart from others. But because we have our tools, our promises to one another, because we have this map and compass for how we want to be together, we know we can always find our way back again, back to the path that we mapped out for ourselves. We can always come back into the covenant even if we've fallen away from it a little bit. That's life. Sometimes we're on the right path together. Sometimes we get a little lost. What matters is the promises 
we make to one another. And the walking together that we do on the path, on the journey together. What does your compass look like? What promises do you make at home or in school? How do you come back to those promises when you're having a day and it's hard to keep them? There's something to think about this week. What guides you? Where's your compass? reading this morning comes to us from the Reverend Rebecca Parker, former president of the Star King School for the Ministry in California. This comes from her lecture on the history of covenant, especially in Unitarian Universalism, what they dreamed the hours to do. Let us covenant with one another then to keep faith with the source of life, knowing that we are not our own, earth made us. Let us covenant with one another to keep faith with the community of resistance, never to forget that life can be saved from that which threatens it, by even small bands of people choosing to put into practice an alternative way of life. And let us keep covenant with one another to seek for an ever deeper awareness of that which springs up inwardly in us, even when our hearts are broken by our own failure or the failure of others cutting into our lives, even when we have done all we can and life is still broken, there is a universal love that has never broken faith with us and never will. This is the ground of our hope and the reason we can be bold in seeking to fulfill the promise.
This month, our Soul Matters themes ask us the question, what does it mean to be a people of commitment? And to kick us off, the question I ask in this morning's sermon title is, what shall we live for? And just to cut to the chase and get right to the answer, I will give you the short answer to that question. And the answer is love. That is what we shall live for. Probably not a satisfying enough answer. Let me dive a little deeper. Our early history comes from the Puritan churches that were founded in Plymouth and the Massachusetts Bay Colony back in the 17th century. And those religious dissenters who came over from England looking for a freedom from the oppression they were feeling in their own religious practices set for themselves a covenant, a way that they would be together, promises they made to one another as a worshiping community. And in its most simple expression, the covenant of that Plymouth Congregational Church said simply, we purpose to walk together in the ways of God made known and to be made known to us. Today, we might express that as we promise to walk together in the ways of love, known and yet to be made known to us. That is the heart of the congregational covenant, our legacy we have received from our religious forebears. It is so exquisitely elegant in the simplicity of its language, and yet, if you stop to think about it, not nearly as easy as its words are to live into reality. Last September, when we got together virtually for our in-gathering, I talked about the 450th anniversary of the first Universalist sermon in this country, and I used the opportunity to say it was time for us to renew and recommit to the Universalist idea of our hands and our hearts as agents of an expansive, infinite, unshakable love, the love of the great heart at the center of everything. Now, this love, this 
form of God. I, I doubt this is what the Puritans had in mind when they said, we pledge to walk with one another in the ways of love known and yet to be made known. But they acknowledge right there in that early expression of covenant that they did not yet know all of the ways of God, all of the ways of love. They understood that God, that infinite love, was bigger than any of them and that there was always room to know more and to learn and to grow in those ways of loving and being together. And this constant growth, this constant search for the new ways of knowing, this is the story of the ever-evolving covenant that we share as religious liberals, that we share as Unitarian Universalists. Over the centuries, as we have grown into who we are today, the ways of love, the ways of God that came to be known over that time were cataloged and codified. It's one of the reasons we call Unitarian Universalism a living tradition. See, we are made by those who came before us, in part. And we take what we have been given by those who came before us, take what we have been given about knowing these ways of love and walking together, and we work to widen that circle, to actively seek out the ways of love that are yet unknown to us. It is how we get from that Puritan expression of covenant, of walking in the ways of love, to the seven principles of Unitarian Universalism as we have them today, further on to our own individual congregational expression of our mission in and our vision for this community, both the church community and the community we exist within. Now, I focus on this notion of covenant today because absent a unifying creed, which is what Unitarian Universalism is, a creedless religion, absent that creed to unite us, it is the promises that we make to one another and to the world around us that makes this faith one that is worthy of our making a commitment to it. We pledge still today to walk together in ways of love, a love in all of its myriad forms known and yet to be made known to us. This walk is a journey toward a still very uncertain, very fuzzy destination. We don't know what that boundless love will look like in its totality when we get there, and most of us may not get all the way there. But it is this journey that we commit to as Unitarian Universalists. Now, to make this commitment, to be a people of this sort of commitment, is also to accept that there are expectations that are being made of us when we commit to this faith. These are challenging expectations, but they're by no means onerous or restrictive. First up, let me, let me tell you what is not expected of us as a people of commitment, as a people of Unitarian Universalist faith. See, first up, the way of love does not expect our constant motion and forward progress on each of our individual parts while we are on this journey together, while we walk together in the ways. The journey itself is long. It is sometimes 
very difficult. And each one of us possesses a different amount of reserve of energy and skill on this journey. Rest for ourselves and care for ourselves is expected of us. Not a constant motion. If I cannot walk right now, someone else can take up the path. It is why we pledge to walk together. The way of love also does not expect our perfection, a trap we so often fall into, the need to be perfect in our faith. Because if every step along the way had to be perfect, none of us would ever begin the walk or perhaps even commit to wanting to make the journey in the first place. Indeed, it is in embracing our imperfect natures that we free ourselves to walk with any sense of confidence at all. Our continued motion is not expected. Our perfection is not expected. But what the ways of love expect from us is that we will do what we can with what is within us, even if it is just a single small step each day. What the ways of love expect of us is to be willing to acknowledge when we have fallen short of our promises and make amends for the hurt we may cause when we do fall short of those promises. Acknowledge and repair so that we can come back together again because we need to be together on this walk. Come back so we can renew our promises. Find our way again and continue on the pathways as they reveal themselves. But most of all, most of all, the ways of love expect us to be open to them, to be open to the new ways we find to express that love as they reveal themselves, as we discover them. The ways of love expect us to be open to the new directions that we might find as we are traveling this path together. Now this, I'm going to admit, this is the most difficult of the expectations of the ways of love, of the ways of our commitment. Sometimes, sometimes we rely way too much on the path that we already know. We like the comfort of the known. What's new is often very unsettling in its newness. When a new way reveals itself to us, often we are tempted to just mark the path with a sign that says, here there be dragons, and keep to the well-worn roads that we already know. Now, we've witnessed this in recent years in our own Unitarian Universalist circles with regard to our beloved seven principles you see, even though the principles are written to be a living document, even though they are written in the bylaws of Unitarian Universalism to be revisited and renewed and revised periodically, that very process of renewal and revision has met with a lot of resistance in recent years. There has been much agitation in the Unitarian Universalist world over the potential to even change by one word what is so beloved amongst us. And in the process, we run the risk 
of turning those principles, the expression of that covenant among us, those promises we make to one another, into the very creed that we do not want to express, to turn our principles into an idol. But when we do that, when we idolize the covenant and we do not renew it, what new ways of walking together in love do we miss out when we put up that resistance? More importantly, perhaps, who might be feeling excluded from joining us on the journey because we hold to a tight definition of just what that journey is? One way of walking in love that has made itself known to us in our very recent history is the increasingly urgent need to break down the systems that exist in our society that lead to the oppression of portions of our human family. To work to dismantle oppressions is a way of expressing that infinite unshakable love in such a way that it gives more people access to the freedom from fear and the freedom from want, to give more access to the freedom to live and to love and to simply be without explicit threats to their mere existence. This way of knowing, this way of love, has found one means of expression in the language of a proposed eighth principle of Unitarian Universalism. It is stated, we, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote, journeying toward spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. When first proposed, I'm going to admit to you, I leaned heavily into my own comfort on that well-worn path that comfort instilled in me an urge to resist that language being proposed of dismantling oppression. Isn't this already covered in the first seven, I wondered? Do we really need to say it again this way? I'm going to tell you I was wrong. In the intervening years since the proposal of the Eighth Principle, the need to concretely name this specific way of love that we should walk in has made itself known in increasingly vehement and frequently heartbreaking ways. Sitting in my place of comfort, I realized I needed to shift out of that comfortable position. And I reminded myself of my commitments. And I remember the promises that I make to myself and to the world in choosing this faith path that I have chosen for myself. That we walk together in all of the ways of love. 
that my heart and my hands are in fact tools to expand the embrace of that infinite, unshakable, universal love that we are called to. And that I am expected to be open to new expressions of that way of loving, no matter how challenging or uncomfortable that path might seem. The proposed eighth principle of Unitarian Universalism will be on the agenda of our General Assembly this year, up for the first of what needs to be two annual votes in order for it to be added to our principles. The ways of love call me to unequivocally support its passage. Because this is what we live for. This is what we commit to as a people of the Unitarian Universalist faith. We live for love, for the ever-growing expansion of an infinite, unshakable, universal love. For the act of walking together on a path that is and should be open to all who seek it, rooted in the ways of that loving known and yet still revealing themselves to us. We commit to walking this path, no matter how difficult or discomforting it may be. May it be so. Hi, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Teresa Call, and I'm on the Unitarian Church Board of Directors as this year's steward. Last year, around this time, most of us enjoyed a St. Patrick's Day feast prepared by Felicia Orth, and we discussed the business of our church and how each of us can contribute. Unfortunately, due to the current pandemic, we can't come together this year, but the business of, the, of our church still needs to be addressed. That means it's time for each of us to consider how we can support our church during the next fiscal year. You will soon receive a packet in the mail that includes the board's proposed budget for fiscal year 2022, which begins in July. The budget includes a base budget, which generally includes maintaining the status quo, and a desired budget, which provides for a 2.5% increase for our key staff who have not received an increase for the past two years. To address our base budget, our pledge income needs to increase by about 2.5% from the current year, and a 4% increase is needed for the desired budget. However, the board is asking current pledgers to each consider increasing our pledges, if possible, by at least 10%. This is because our pledging number of pledging units has decreased during the past year. We have lost several long-term members who were significant donors, and we need our current pledgers to increase pledges by about 10% just to meet the pledge total needed for our base budget. 
Of course, we would also appreciate receiving pledges from members and friends who have not pledged in the past. Pledges are important because they help the board plan for the upcoming year. I will be taking time to reflect on the value of our church to me personally and to our larger community and how I can help the church continue to meet its mission through my financial support. I hope you will too. By this time next year, I hope we can be together to once again celebrate our congregation and our ongoing presence in this community. For the month of March, 100% of our weekly offerings will be given to Tierra del Oro, a migrant shelter in Puerto Palomas, Mexico. Tierra del Oro is a small, short-term shelter for asylum seekers. All monies collected this month will be sent to the UU Social Justice Network at the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship of Silver City, New Mexico, who are working to deliver supplies and funds to the shelter each week. Please use the Givelify app on your mobile device to make your donation or use the link in the service notes below. May what you give bring you joy. Friends, may life bless us and keep us. May the light of life shine upon us and out from within us and be gracious to us and bring us peace. For this is the day. This is the one wild and precious life we have been given. So let us all find a way to rejoice and be glad in it. Go in peace.